Would you turn to John, please, the uh, 14th chapter, John chapter 14. We've been on the subject now for some weeks entitled Seeing Jesus, Seeing Jesus, and we want to continue. If you didn't bring a Bible with you today, we have extra Bibles. Be glad to let you use one of ours. Hold up your hand real high, and the ushers will be looking, and they'll get one of our Bibles to you, and turn with us to John 14. Verse 21, Jesus said, He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Who loves the Lord? Who? According to this verse. Who loves the Lord? Not just the ones that say they love him. The ones who what? Who has his commandments and keeps them. You receive his words, his instructions. Another word for commandment is order. His orders. And how many know, First uh, John says his orders are not grievous. His commandments are not grievous. If you love him, you will do what he tells you to do. If you don't do what he tells you to do, you don't love him. That's not what I said. He said it. He went on the next few verses to say it and reiterate it. If the Lord tells you to do something and you know what he told you to do and you decide to do something else and not do that, then what did you just prove? You proved that you love something else, somebody else, yourself, if you're doing it for yourself or somebody else, more than you do him. Because if you would loved him more, you'd have done what he told you to do. That's just truth. Now, if you love him and you do what he tells you to do, what did he say he's going to do? And this is the shouting part now, isn't it? Look at the Amplified. He said, I will love him and will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. You know, there are millions on the planet he is not real to. Isaiah, what is it, 45, 15 says, you're a God who hides yourself. I know that sounds strange to us, but it's a fact. God has set this thing up so it has to be by faith. Faith is not optional with him. It's required. And if you want to know him, what the Bible say, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God, if you're going to come to him, you're going to meet him, you're going to have any fellowship with him, he's going to be real to you. You must believe that he is. And you must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You got to believe he's good. You got to believe he's faithful. You got to believe if you reach out, if you ask, it'll be given you. If you seek, he'll cause you to find it. If you knock, he'll open it up to you. Got to believe that. How many believe he's a good God? He's a good God. He loves you. He's a good God. He responds to you. Draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. And so you got many people saying, well, if God's real, prove it to me. Well, to you, he's not going to be real. Well, prove it to me. Well, no, you're not the creator. The creator said how it is. He said, believe him and he'd reveal himself to you. Well, no, show me and I'll believe. No, do without. Live in darkness. Because you're not the creator. You can't tell him and change what he said. 
And he's never going to change it because when he said it, it was perfect. And it'll never need to be changed. It was right when he said it. It's right now. It's right forever. What's right? Believe. And then you'll see. Believe before you understand. Obey before you understand. And then God's going to show up. Hallelujah. He's going to show himself to you. Now others around about you may not even see him. But he'll show himself to you and reveal himself to you. Why? You qualify. You love him. You'll obey him by faith. And that's what's happening throughout the whole planet is this winnowing that's going on. Life is just that long. And those that will be his forever are those that will have faith in him and believe on him and receive him and obey him now even though they don't see. And if you'll do that, it shows the kind of heart that qualifies you to be in God's eternal family and to rule and reign with him forever. And those that don't, won't. That's just what the scripture says. Now, look with me in the 14th chapter, back up a little bit. In the 12th verse, 11th verse, Jesus said, Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. Verily, verily, I say to you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father, the works. Now skip down to the 15th chapter, 15th chapter of John in verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Now husbandman means land worker. You might say farmer. The one who tends the land. Jesus is the vine, the true vine. And the father is the land worker. Verse 2. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he, the land worker, the father, takes away. And every branch that bears fruit... He, the father, the land worker, he purges it. Now purge means to cleanse, to prune, to purify. And he does so, why? That it may bring forth more fruit. More fruit. Next verse, verse 3. Now Jesus said, you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. How does the Father do this purging, this cleansing? Through His Word. Oh, this is a wonderful thing about the Word. The Word has a wonderful cleansing, purifying, purging result and effect on those that receive it in faith. And brother, you need to be purged. We saw in the 13th chapter, I guess it was, that Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Remember he came to Peter and Peter said, oh no, no, you never washed my feet. And he said, well, if I don't wash you, you don't have any part with me. He said, well, then wash my hands and my head. And and then the Lord said, no, he that's washed is clean. And he doesn't need to wash except for his feet. Now what does that mean? Well... You know, this is before the days of the uh, carpeted bathrooms. (laughs) 
And a lot of times people would bathe on the roof or they'd bathe out in the backyard or by the stream or whatever. And they're clean, but then you got to get back to the house. And you, so your feet get dirty and your feet get dusty. And so when you get back, you're clean, but your feet need to be clean and washed. And that's what he's talking about. And that's why he washed their feet instead of some other part. Because this is a, a picture of yours and my life in him. We're clean. If you've believed on Him and you're washed by the blood, you're clean. But you're still walking through this dirty world. And all you got to do is get up and go to work and go to school or get out and about and do things. And you're going to come in contact with contamination. You're going to come in contact with dirt. Aren't you? Oh, yeah. Turn on the TV. Turn on the radio. Turn on the computer, the Internet. I mean, it's there. You're going to hear people talking dirt on the job. When I say dirt, I'm not just talking about dirty jokes, but dirt in the sense of contamination of ungodly, unbelieving, fearful, godless, worldly contamination. And you need to be washed of that on a regular basis. You need to be purged of that. And that's part of what's going on right now. Right now. Now, you don't need to wait till you're back in service again. That's one reason why you need to read your chapter in faith every day. And you need to get, you know, it's feed on materials that feed your spirit and appeal to you. Because the Bible refers to the washing of the water of the Word. Doesn't it? Somebody say, thank God for the washing of the Word. It has this effect. Glory to God of uh, flowing over your ears, over your eyes, and washing your mind, and washing over your spirit, and helping you to be rid of the things, the contaminants that you've picked up along the way just walking through life. Purged, cleansed, purified. And to what end? To what result? That you would bear more fruit so apparently contamination will hinder your fruit bearing won't it getting clogged up with ungodly and and unclean stuff will hinder you from bearing fruit the lord's words purify because they are themselves pure listen to psalm 12 and 6 Psalm 12, 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver, tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Picture a precious metal that they purify and they heat it up. That's how you purify. You heat it, melt it, and the slag and junk comes to the top, and they get that off, and then you take it and heat it again and do it again, and then take it and do it again, and take it seven times. Somebody say pure. Pure. Well, that word that is so pure as it flows into you and over you, that's what it does to you. And so the more word that flows into you and over you, the more it purges you, the more it purifies you. Can anybody testify that that is the truth? It comes in you and it identifies wrong stuff and junk and dirt and it helps wash it out. The washing. Of the water of the word. Now it's not just the washing of the water of the word. But also you obeying that word. 
1 Peter 1.22. 1 Peter 1 and 22 says, Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. John 17, Jesus said, Thy word is truth. So the word, the truth, purifies, but not just it coming to you. You've got to receive it and you've got to obey it. And as you obey it, it purifies your soul. This is an exciting thing, friends. How many of just, even though you've been born again, and your spirit's been washed by the blood of the Lamb and made new, still your mind wasn't born again. Did you know that? You still got the same mind you had before you got saved. And now that mind needs to be renewed, doesn't it? And it doesn't need to be conformed to this world's way of thinking, but it needs to be transformed. And involved in that transformation is purging and washing and cleansing by the water of the Word. Some things make you dirty, and the Word of God makes you clean. (laughs) Listening to some things, watching some things contaminate you. I don't care. I know you're blood-bought, blood-washed child of God, tongue-talking, Bible-toting, church-going, but you can still be contaminated. Did you know that? Watching certain things, listening to certain things, talking certain things, being involved with certain things will contaminate you, defile you. And if that happens, and as that happens, it curtails and restricts fruit from being born in your life. And of course, if you're not bearing fruit, that's a very bad thing. He talks about dead, non-bearing branches being removed. I don't like the sound of that, do you? (laughs) I like the sound of the branch having all the dead junk off of it, all the disease, contaminated stuff off of it, so it can put forth new shoots and bring forth more fruit this season than it did last season. And then next time around, let's get the junk off. Let's get the dead stuff off. Let's get it off so we can put forth even more shoots and have even more fruit Is this the will of God? Obviously, this is the plan of God for you and me. Keep reading there in John, in the 15th chapter. He said, verse 3, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. Abide means to live, or to dwell, or, or to stay. To stay. The Weist translation says, to maintain a living communion. Instead of abide, he said, maintain a living communion. And of course, that's a good way to describe vine and branch. A living communion. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you. Except you abide in me. If you don't maintain a living communion with me, Jesus said, you can't bear any fruit. Verse 5, I am the vine. You are the branches. This must be important, mustn't it? For him to say it again like this. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, 
You can do nothing. We must get this in our minds and in our hearts. I know from earlier days of my association with Word of Faith, Charismatic, that there some people got the idea that, you know, man, I, I got the name of Jesus. I got the Holy Ghost, the power, the anointing of God. I can go change the world now. Well, you of yourself can do nothing. I don't know that this, somewhere or another, this has not been emphasized enough. How many remember Jesus said in John 5, 19 and 20, when he talking about the, the man healed at the pool of Bethesda, and they were questioning him about it. He said, I can of my own self do nothing. Now, some people don't even like to hear that. But I'm quoting Jesus. These are his words. People say, well, that's Jesus. He could do anything he wanted to, anytime he wanted to. He said he couldn't. Now, you got to decide what you're going to believe. Religious tradition or the words of the master, his own words. He said he could do nothing except what he saw the Father do. And what he heard the Father say. How many understand? How did he see these things? How did he hear these things? Through a continual living communion with the Father. Oh, can you see this? He was continually communing with the Father. How many believe Jesus' fellowship with the Father as he walked the earth as a man was unbroken, unhindered, unrestricted? And Jesus is telling us, just like I was completely dependent on the Father, you are completely dependent on me. You are a branch. I mean, we're not the trunk. We're not the root. We're not the vine. What are we? Branch. And the life and the light, the healing, the help, the word, the truth, the love, The peace does not come from us. It comes from Him. Through us. It doesn't come out of us as a source. We don't and we can't generate life or light or healing. We can't produce any of it. Without the vine, the branch is nothing. We are extensions of the vine, aren't we? We're extensions of Him. The life that's flowing through us is not our own. didn't come from us. The strength, the light, the power, we don't generate. didn't come from us. comes from the vine through the branch and out to the end of the branch where it's manifest outside of the vine and the branch. Fruit. Somebody say fruit. Now the fruit and the works are connected. I said the fruit and the works. Connected. Well when fruit is produced, something was working to produce the fruit. And uh, what kind of fruit did Jesus have as he walked the earth? Well, what kind of works did he do? A lot of teaching. A lot of preaching. Did that produce any fruit? Oh, yeah. It produced faith in the hearer. People believed in God. People believed on Him. People repented. They came to Him. Also, there were healings. 
Many of them. Thank God. Did these healings produce fruit? Well, people being healed in their body, that is fruit. But then the people that saw it and heard it and saw the goodness of God and were drawn to Him. That's fruit. Signs and wonders. Works that produce fruit. People would see and hear these things like the turning of the water into wine. Like Lazarus being raised from the dead. And the Bible said when that happened, many believed on him. Fruit. Somebody say fruit. Works. And fruit. Well, look back in the 14th chapter. This is such a wonderful statement by Jesus that many don't dare to believe it. But I believe I'm in a room of darers that will dare to believe it. John 14. 12, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say to you, he that believes on me, what? The works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. If we were having the works of Jesus in us and through us, wouldn't that be producing the same kind of fruit and results? And isn't that why we exist? He's the vine. We're the branches. Now here's the thing. Is it possible to live like Jesus lived? To commune with the Father like Jesus communed with the Father. To abide in Him like Jesus abode in Him. To hear from the Father like Jesus heard from the Father. To see things from the Father like Jesus saw things from the Father. To have faith and please the Father every day and go out and obey like Jesus did. Is it possible? Is it possible? To teach and preach like Jesus did. To minister to the sick like Jesus did. Is it possible? It's not only possible, we're called to do it. It's our call. It's our destiny. It's our place. Look back in the 15th chapter. Let's read further. Said out loud, he is the vine, the the true vine. I am a branch. Verse 5, Jesus said it again, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides stays in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, what can you do? What can you do without it? Not one thing. No thing. Didn't say not much. Didn't say not many things. What did he say? (laughs) No thing. If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned. Now, if you don't maintain a living commune with him, if you or I are contaminated and conformed to this world's thinking and we're, we fellowship more with wrong spirits than we do the Holy Spirit. Now let me just stop here and elaborate. If you read Second Corinthians 6 chapter, he said in verse 14, he said, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What's the answer? None. What communion has light with darkness? None. What concord has Christ with Belial, the devil? None. What part has he that believeth with an infidel? 
None. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? None. For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I'll be their God. There shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I'll receive you, and will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Is he writing to born-again believers? Tongue talkers? Yeah. Yeah. Can fellowshipping with the wrong things defile you and contaminate you? Even though you're born again, you're a child of God. Can you be defiled, contaminated? Yes. And yes, the blood of the Lamb can wash you from your sin, but he's talking here about you cleansing yourself. How many know if you say, Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, but you stay in it? You're going to be immediately recontaminated. you got to purge yourself, get yourself out of it. Stay out of it. Go back to the, uh, what, the 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians, please. 1 Corinthians 10. We haven't digressed now. We're talking about being a branch. What happens with the branches? He mentioned two kind of branches, didn't he? Well, I guess maybe three. One of them was non-fruit bearing, which wound up being dead and burnt. And then there was other one was a fruit bearing. Fruit bearing. What happens to non-fruit bearing? They get cut off and burned. I don't like the sound of that. Do you? No, no, no. I don't like that at all. (laughs) What happens to the fruit bearing? They get purged. You like the sound of purging? Better than burning? Oh, yeah, me too. I don't like purging. Well, do you like being removed and being burnt? No, I like purging. I choose purging. Besides that, if you're dirty, why don't you want to get clean? If you got some dead junk, why don't you want to get it cut off and get cleaned up? Who shouldn't want to bear more fruit? Look in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 18. He said, Behold, Israel after the flesh, are not they which eat of the sacrifices partaker of the altar? What say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. That who would have fellowship with devils? The Corinthians, are they saved? Are they born again? They're tongue talkers. They got the gifts of the Spirit in operation. I mean, they talk in tongues so much, he had to give them correction about where and when and how to do it. He has to talk to them about fellowshipping with devils? Saved people? Yes. Keep reading. He said, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Does the devil have a table? Apparently he does. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? It is possible for any of us, any day of the week, to fellowship with the wrong spirit. And it's possible for any of us, any day of the week, to yield to the Holy Spirit. Fellowship with the Lord. Just because you're born again, doesn't mean you can't yield to a wrong spirit. And you know, some of the same spirits 
that you yielded to before you got born again will try to come back and court you. Get you to yield to them again. It's kind of like an old boyfriend or old girlfriend. After you're married. In fact, it's exactly like that. The Bible talks about spiritual adultery, doesn't it? And you know, maybe you were... You were the wild party man, wild party girl, and you got straightened up, and you got married, and here on Saturday night, a car full of your old drinking and party and drug buddies show up, pull up in the driveway, hollering, hey, Saturday night, let's go party, come on, you know you want to, you know you like it, come on. Y'all looking so sanctimonious. Remember what you did? Remember how much fun you had here? Remember this? Remember that? Spirits will do that. They will pull up in your driveway and blow the horn. (laughs) After you got back from church, they will pull up in your driveway. Did you hear me? Pulling on you to yield to them. And if you yield to them, you defile yourself. And you're being spiritually unfaithful. You're getting intimate with wrong spirits. And you belong to the Lord. Oh, are you listening, friends? This is why we shouldn't go to every place. And we shouldn't be involved in everything. Because to go to those places... And do what those people do. And really get involved in it. You'll have to yield to the same spirits they're yielding to. Did you hear me? And if you do so. You provoke the Lord to jealousy. You're being intimate with his enemy. You know if if some folk. I'm talking about people. Church going people. Saved people. Tongue talking people. DVD playing people could see what they've been fellowshipping with and what they've been yielding to. After they quit throwing up, they would repent. Did you hear me? Spirits are real. You don't wait till you see something in a red suit and a pitchfork at your door. Did you hear me? They're real. One way you might describe it, that old feeling. That old feeling. Came back on you. <laughs> just look straight ahead. Everybody just look straight, straight ahead. That old feeling. <laughs> those thoughts. Those memories. See this is why. It's so much better. To live a clean life. All your life. Because then that way. The devil's got nothing to bring to you. To remind you of. Because you never tried it. You never did it. Because there is pleasure in sin. The Bible says so. If there wasn't, nobody would be doing it. There's pleasure in sin, but it's very brief. And afterwards, there's death. Listen. If we yield to the wrong thing, we contaminate ourselves. We get defiled. And that chokes off our fruit. And that 
is between us and the Lord, isn't it? Well, think about it. If you're being unfaithful with his enemy, is that going to be a problem between you and the Lord, your husband? Well, yeah. Since there's something between you and him, there's something that is blocking the flow. Oh, can you see this? Something, maybe there's a little bit of life flowing around it, but you got this sin, you got this disobedience, you got this rebellion, you got this junk. Oh, can you see this? And there's a little bit getting around the edge enough to keep you alive and keep you going. Oh, come on, can you see this? But you're drying up. Can you see this? You're drying up, you're shriveling up, and fruit. You ain't talked to anybody about the Lord in three years. You ain't led anybody to the Lord in ten years. Did you hear me? No fruit. You hadn't had a miracle in when? This describes three-fourths of the church on the planet. It's sad, isn't it? But you don't have to be that way. I don't have to be that way. Man, we can get it out. Let's call the Holy Ghost Rotor Rooter. Let's say, man, I need a major purge job. Come. I mean, bring some TNT if you need to. it. Blow this thing out. Get the junk out of my life. How many understand you can't just say, get it out? You got to do something. You got to do something. You got to say, no, I'm not partying with you. No, I'm married now. No, I got a new Lord, and you're nothing to my life. How many know what Jesus said when his hour came and the temptation was there? He was able to say, this is the hour for the prince of the power there. He said, but he has nothing in me. Oh, what a statement. I said, oh, what a statement. He said, he's got nothing in me. He's got nothing in me. And how many know because he had nothing in him, there was nothing between him and the Father. There was a full flow. And when the Father spoke to him, he wasn't confused about it. He knew it was him. And he acted on it bold. And he had miracles. And he had works. And he had fruit. And can you see, you and I are called to exactly the same life as Jesus. Exactly the same life. Oh, this is exciting. This is exciting. Say it out loud. He is the vine. The the true vine. vine. And I am am a holy branch. branch. Look back in John 15 again. Jesus said, verse 4, Abide in me. Stay in me. Maintain a living communion with me. And I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you, except you abide, stay in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and is withered. Why do Christians dry up? Why do their lives shrivel? They have a dry, joyless, unfulfilled life. Well, there's something choking off the flow from the vine to them. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned. Oh, but look, what if you keep a full flow? Look at verse 7. If you abide in me 
and my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Glory to God. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Hallelujah. Go back to the 14th chapter, look again, where he talked about the he that believes on me, verse 12, the works I do, he'll do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Verse 13, the very next verse, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. What is that? That's works. That's works. And the works produce the fruit. And the fruit glorifies God. And he went on to say in chapter 15, right below where we just finished reading, he said, I'm telling you these things so that your joy would be full. How many understand? There is no more joyful life than living like this. Walking in an unhindered, unrestricted communion and fellowship with the Father God, seeing things from Him, hearing things from Him, speaking them bold, acting on them, and seeing miracles. And God manifesting Himself to you and revealing Himself and making Himself real to you. And other people seeing it and coming to God and coming back to God and getting their needs met. Is there anything could make you more full of joy than this? Glory to God. Now He describes how you do the works. If you ask anything in my name. He said, I'll do it. The word ask here is also translated call for, same word, is also translated require. And when I read it, I'm reminded of Acts 3, where Peter and John went up to the temple to pray at the hour of prayer through the gate called beautiful. And there was a man sit there that's crippled from his mother's womb who never had walked. And when he saw Peter and John coming, he asked for an alms and they looked down and said, you know, Peter said, silver and gold have I none. Uh, I guess his wife had the pocketbook, but such as I have, he said, but I got something. I got something better than money for you today, brother. Now stop right here. Some captions on the the margins or headers of the Bible pages will say, Peter healeth the cripple. Don't you believe it? I said, don't you believe it? Some people imply and they say, well, you know, the apostles had that kind of power. Jesus gave them that power to help establish the church and get it going. But when the last apostle died, all that ceased. And no, after this man was healed, Peter himself said, why look ye at us as though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk? It was not. Then why, you know, Peter and John, we have reason to believe they had walked right by this man because they laid him daily there at the gate. We have reason to believe they walked by him any number of times, maybe years. They walked right. Why didn't they do it yesterday or last week or last month? Well, we know how Jesus did what he did. How did he do it? Anybody remember? How did he do it? He said, I can't do anything of myself, but what I see the Father do, what I hear Him say, that's what I see, that's what I say, that's what I do. Thank you, Lord. What can the branch produce of itself? Nothing. But if you tie it in to the vine, and if there's a full flow in the vine, then He can do something through you. And so then it's not what you did, He did it. He just did it through you. And so here Peter and John become the extension of the Master. Oh, can you see it? They become extensions. They become the hand of the Lord. 
And the Lord reaches through them. And he said, silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus. Rise and walk. And he grabbed his hand and he pulled it. Why did he do that? He saw himself do it. Why did he say that? He heard himself say it. Oh, can you see this? And when he did, instantly the man's ankles were made correct. And he jumped up and he leaped. And he walked. See, they called for him to do it. They required him to do it in Jesus' name. And Jesus said, I'll do it. And he did. Is this available to us? Can we have these kind of things in our life? I'm not talking about just preachers. I'm talking about believers. The Bible said, he that believes on me, he'd do these works. And greater works than these shall he do. Can you do them of yourself? Because you want to. Because you decide to. No, you can't do anything of yourself. But you can walk in such communion with the Father. Hallelujah. That you see things from Him. And you hear things from Him. And you act on them. And you call for things in His name. And He does it. He does it. Keep reading. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Skip on down to verse 16. He said, you've not chosen me. But I've chosen you and ordained you. What's he ordained us to do? Verse 16 of chapter 15 of John. That you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. And that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Are you seeing something, friends? Are you getting stirred in your spirit about this? Oh, can you see the Lord's been working on us for years now to get us to this point? Can you see this? I mean, if you look back, you'll see the things that he uh, has given us have brought us to this point. And I'm telling you, I'm getting excited because what's next? Does he confirm his word? Does he watch over his word to confirm it? I was telling uh, Brother Dave and Rob the other night when I was leaving, you know, I got excited Friday night, like I do, I usually get excited, but about some things, I said, you know, people, I guess some people may think I just sat at my desk and thought some of this stuff up, but they may not know what a miracle it is. God gave it to me. He gave it. He revealed it to me. He showed it to me. I didn't think it up. I didn't come up with it. He revealed it to me. And a whole lot of things are more spiritual than people know. God is talking more than people know. We've seen that in the scripture. They said, Lord, show us the Father. He said, show you the Father. You've been looking at the Father for three and a half years now. We want to hear the Father. You've been hearing the Father. Open your eyes. It's here. He's here. And friend, that's so true concerning us today. We are already seeing and hearing so much more than we're acknowledging that we're perceiving. God is in our midst. He's on us. He's been talking to us. He's been training us. He's had us by the hand. He's leading us somewhere good. He's leading us right to the spout where the glory comes out. Are you listening? He's taking us. He's taking us to fruit bearing true discipleship of the head of the church the lord jesus he's taking us to being just like him in this life in this time didn't the bible say that first john what was it too he said he that says he abides in him ought himself so to walk even as he walked let me ask you again let me ask you again is it possible to get up in the morning And pray and commune with the Father like Jesus did when he walked. Is it possible? Is it available to you? Is it possible to walk clean and not yield to temptation? And to walk close to him like Jesus did? Is it possible? 
Even if you mess up, can you repent and ask him to forgive you? Will he wash you and cleanse you? And then you can be as clean as the master because it's the master's righteousness that you have. It's his own blood that makes you that way. It's his. Can you hear things from the Father like Jesus did and see things and have faith and obey him and have miracles and have fruit and have others come to God by being around you? Can you have it like Jesus did? Yes, yes, yes. Stand up on your feet and say yes. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.